Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Hello, it's Lee Salisbury here. Welcome back to Season 5 of Soap from the Box. Sorry, it's been a bit of a break since Season 4, which was a short season. I have been making television instead of speaking about it, including the exclusive news that dropped this week that Guy Pearce, who plays Mike in Neighbours, is heading back for the relaunch of the series, and I directed the scenes with him. I can't say any more at the moment, but you have to keep listening to Soap from the Box to hear more, and possibly to hear an interview with Guy coming very soon. I will leave you with the episode that is hot off the press, recorded today for the Series 5 launch. This guy is one to watch, and he is a potential award winner in the making. Enjoy. My guest today has appeared on your screens in many things. Shadow and Bones, Agatha Rays and Bloods. I love Bloods. The King's Man, the film, amazing, amongst many other things. Soap fans, of course, will know him for playing Eric Foster in Hollyoaks. Now get ready for this. He is the son of Charlotte and Edward Hutchinson, the brother of Verity, the half-brother of Tony and Eva, and the adoptive half-brother of Dominic Riley. His family life in the show is nothing compared to what he's been up to since arriving in 2012. 22. This year, he is up for Best Villain at the British Soap Awards. It's not the first time, though, my acting guest has won an award. He won a global short in LA for Two's a Crowd. It's a huge pleasure to welcome Angus Castle Doherty. Hello, Angus. Hi, how's it going? I'm good, thanks, mate. First of all, your name. Where's your name derived from? Um, <laughs> I don't really know. So, <clears throat> my dad's surname is Doherty. My mum's maiden name is Castle. Oh, OK. Then I... So it's a bit of a combination. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit a bit of a mismatch. And then uh, I was an emergency C-section and um, my mum wanted to call me Finley. And when I was born, I had um, this fiery red hair and the doctor had saved my life. And my mum said, well, you saved his life. What should we call him? And he said, he looks like an Angus to me. Oh, wow. So, uh, brilliant. And now I've got this name that everyone thinks is really Celtic, but it's actually... Yeah, no, it like sounds mum. really Celtic. That's what I thought, especially with Castle in the title as well. It, yeah, I mean, I wish. And my, red hair, and red hair. Yeah, my dad's side of the family are from the Midlands. My mum's side of the family are from deepest, darkest Kent. Right, and okay, so not at, all, not at all what you... I'd never judge a book by its cover, as they say. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so you are up for the soap awards, which we'll get to going to the soap awards. I mean, I've been many a times. You were up against quite a strong field, um, but you were up against EastEnders Ravi Galati, Coronation Street Stephen Reed, Emmerdale's Al Chapman, and Doctors Princess Buchanan. I mean, up against the princess is quite cool, but it's a strong field, isn't it? Strong competition this year. Yeah, and like just being nominated um, is an honour, and I'd, I'd 
love to win it. I don't really think I stand much of a chance because um, uh, I'm up against some behemoths. Um, but yeah, just being being mentioned in the same same sentence. Yeah, I think. Well, I think you do stand a massive chance. I think Holio stands. I mean, you never. Quite, I mean, I've been to the Sabre Awards obviously quite a lot of times, won a couple, uh, and we d- didn't expect. I was at Emmerdale when we won nothing, and uh, we, I think we won one of the first ones, but it's always a bit of a surprise. You never quite know which way it's going to go. And Hollyoaks, I think the thing with Hollyoaks has got such a massive young following, and the youngsters are the ones that vote. The youngsters are the ones that vote. Yeah, and I think it's just sort of self preservation, then, I guess. Um, because I don't, I, I don't know. I just like yeah. You don't want to I, feel you're going to win, do you? Because you don't want to get. You've always got to kind of think on that. You've always got to get yeah. You don't want to get your yeah. winning speech ready because you feel like you're jinxing it. And I'm, I'm not really like. I'm not really anyone. I'm just some guy from South London who's gone and and told a story for a year. And there's people in the category who have who've been doing the soap for or doing soap shows for for years. Uh, or they have their own like fan bases, and then there's this little ginger kid being like, "Hi guys, vote for me. That'd be nice." Um, <laughs> well, I think what's nice though with your character as well is it's a very different. Um, you know, I mean, nothing against Coronation Street, but it's another serial killer. Uh, about the tenth they've had. Uh, there's always a serial killer on that street. You never live there. It's that your stories, which we'll get to are a bit different. Do you know what I mean? So it's a different kind of villain, I suppose, than what we normally yeah. see. And I actually think it's quite, I think the story we told is quite quite a, um, quite a pressing issue. Yeah. And I think there's, there's quite pressing relevance to it. Um, but obviously not to the extent, or hopefully not to the extent that, that Eric goes and has gone. But um, I definitely think there's a whole generation of of boys that could be lost if we're not careful to sort of engage. Yeah, it's one with of, them. well, it's one of those storylines that is really important to youngsters. Now we'll get to those actually. But so, is this your first? We'll keep the soap awards for a minute. Is this your first ever soap awards? Is it first, or did you get to go last year? No, I did get to go last year, um, and I was sort of it. It was sort of a whole like whirlwind of chaos that I wasn't really prepared for I, I'd only done I think I'd aired on the show for about a month or six weeks oh wow and I'd, I'd been working on the show for about five months um and I sort of turned up and we in this nice hotel and and everyone was was all giddy and excited and there was like a a floor where everyone was getting makeup done and <laughs> I was like well it feels like a waste if I don't get some makeup done. So <laughs> I sat down and was like, give me eyeliner. Give me all the eyeliner. No one knows who I am. And um and then yeah, it's my my parents are it's it's up in Manchester this year and my parents are coming to watch. And they were like, oh should we um should we go for dinner or something? And I was like, I've got to be honest. I just seem to get dragged around and put in taxis on the Yeah, day. yeah, no, yeah. It's a mad in a lot of well the maddest thing for me when I first went with Emmerdale was just suddenly you're you're with every single soap star from every single soap and it's like what the hell is going on it's the weirdest experience because when you're in a soap and at that point I'd only worked on Emmerdale everyone else is kind of still like you're like oh my god it's Doc Cotton do you know what I mean it, it's a bit like that isn't it, at first I am um, I remember we were in the um I I guess 
I don't know what you'd call. I'm just going to call it the room with champagne in it because <laughs> yeah, the champagne room, great room. Before, yeah, the champagne room um, before going through and taking our seats. And um, I think his name's uh, James Farrier in EastEnders. Oh yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah. He um, and that is no slight on him that I uh, might not know his name completely. It's just my context to him is a bit different to EastEnders. He's, He's a theatre boy, from- isn't he? Well, he's from near me. Oh, right. He, uh, my dad used to go to this gym around the corner every day at about 6 a.m. And he would go at the same time. And I was at university at the time. And my dad was like, oh, I've, I've got chatty with this um, with this guy who used to do Hollyoaks and, and now does bits of other TV this, before he joined EastEnders. And they like formed this like gym friendship over a month or so. Wow! Was, my dad was like, "Oh, my son, uh, when he leaves university, uh, wants to get into acting. Have you got any tips and stuff?" And then James was like telling him how he had gone about it. I think. And then we were stood in uh, the quote-unquote champagne room, and then um, James walked past me, and I just went, "I think you know my dad." <laughs> like. <laughs> extreme panic and he turned around and was like I think you have a friend of my dad in the gym which must have made him go yeah. oh this this could be embarrassing used to, used to work out with my dad <laughs> yeah um, so yeah that that was weird it is weird going into a room and being like oh, I've seen these people on TV for years yeah, well, the heart, it's one of those things as well, especially when I directed, I don't know whether you have this as well, is that I'm useless with learning names as well, but then suddenly on a on a drama, you have to learn their name and their character name. And obviously their character name has been in your head for years, whereas their real name hasn't. And I got told yeah. from day one, like, don't call them by their real, you know, by their character names. You're like, oh my God, more pressure. Do you know what's funny? Like the flip side of that is uh, sometimes, like, especially with um, Nick and eva yes i would we would sort of ruin takes because i would have called eva eva or picard nick <laughs> yeah yeah um and you just like and then they go you know how quickly it moves and they go great okay uh moving on and you have to go well um i've just used their real name <laughs> yeah because even the real name's in their heads um, I mean, Elise, do you remember the, did you watch these Enders Live when poor Joe Joyner, who's got an amazing career, will always be remembered for calling um, Ian Adam? No, but live. I did I listen to your your um, podcast with um, Jason and uh, and I remember you recounting this story. And then I went, I went to work and recounted the story as if I had learned it. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, um, I met, uh, I met, Jason, um, in my is this first... Jason Merrill's we mean, obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. My brilliant Jason Merrill's. Oh, on Agatha um, Raisin, on Agatha Raisin, yeah. And I, well, I knew him from cutting it. He was another one that I was, uh, yeah. There's a few I've been quite scared to work. With. Not scared, you know, like you're kind of like wow, because you really am either acting. I think um, on Hollyoaks, it was that you know, obviously, um, Tony, the, Tony Nick, who plays because you're just like, oh my god, as if I'm working with him. On EastEnders, I was obsessed by Lacey Turner, who played Stacey. So that was quite, um, 
quite bad. But okay, so let's go back to soap boards. Um, otherwise, we'll be here for hours because I can already tell we could talk <laughs> for hours. Uh, so this year it's North because just to let the listeners at home know the inside story of the soap boards that now they do it one year in London and one year in Manchester because all the soap stars complained many years ago that they were always going to London rather than coming up North. So now they do that, uh, which means you don't need the coach or train down. But you did get that last year. Did you? What was it like on the way back? Because our journeys back on the train or the coach, I remember one year, Emily Simons, who played Marilyn, did have a little throw up in a carrier bag at King's Cross Station before we got on the train. I'm so glad. I'm so glad this is where you're going with it. Because I was thinking, oh, God, am I going to have to sit here and be like, it was really uplifting. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a celebration of a year. And that celebration involves quite a lot of champagne in the champagne room, basically. I, I think I had about an hour's sleep. And I yes, was sat. That's good was, for the soap awards. I, I sat down. I sat down in Cape. Funny enough, Al Fletcher is convinced this didn't happen. I s- walked into um, Euston Station and I grabbed, I knew I was hungover because I grabbed <laughs> like four sandwiches. And I was just thinking, this is so much bread. And I was like sat there tearing a baguette apart, like crying into my <laughs> yeah. And I looked to my left. And I had my sunglasses on as well because my eyes were so bloodshot. <laughs> I just looked awful. And I looked to my left and Al Fletcher, who plays Diane, was on the phone to uh, her family, I guess. And um, she didn't see me. And probably more like importantly, she didn't smell me. <laughs> and then I stumbled onto the train and like collapsed into a seat. I fell asleep, woke up. And the the most heartbreaking thing about that journey home, I was still quite um, still quite lonely up in Liverpool. I hadn't really like settled. Oh, yet. and the hotel was in Euston, and <clears throat> I'm from Greenwich, and I was literally walking to. But I was first. Oh, you kind of wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home, be looked after by my mum, yeah, and get into your bed. Um, yeah, but I was yeah. first. Um, and for like anyone who doesn't know, first up, you the first scene of the day, so you've got being like. Oh my god! I see you had the worst the next day. But the, that Monday at work was the best day at work. Nick Pickard came in uh, with a bag of hash browns. Oh, amazing! Like, kept yeah, it's a total, it's a total two day hangover. The soap awards. I mean, it is. Oh. And I suppose this year it's going to be worse for you because this year you'll be recognised a lot more. I mean, I remember being on the train with Mike Parr, who played, um, oh my God, who does he play? Ross in Emmerdale, who was kind of like the heartthrob at the time. And so we're at King's Cross, like literally dying. And everyone's like, can we have a selfie with him? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so all of these selfies, you know, we'll be going around with him going, oh, like can't even speak to say no. Do you know what? I, I had a, I've had a, a few experiences where I've been uh, hung out, a few experiences, makes me sound like I've got a problem. Uh, but I've, I've had people come up to me before uh, if I've been like really hungover or on a night out and go, oh, my God, are you in Hollyx? And I've always just gone, not today. Brilliant, not brilliant. Today, yeah, brilliant. And you can get away with saying no. Uh, what are you wearing? Very important. I mean, I mean, question I don't care about, to be honest. Uh, never what care what wearing? people are wearing. But do you know what you're wearing? Are you stressing or are you going to Is it, are you going to wear not, eyeliner? I'm I'm not stressed about it. Um, I just feel like I'll cobble something together. My yeah, mum. Best attitude. Oh, he's really stressed, is she? Who I don't know if she's become my, like, publicist slash <laughs> Stroke stylist. Dresser. Yeah, she's um, 
she's sending me links to like uh, shirts to hire, <laughs> which I didn't realize was like a thing. And I wasn't aware that the shirts I had weren't adequate. Good enough. Yes. Um, and don't hire one because they never fit. Like, well, my... I, I was trying. But oh, I was no. trying to explain to her. She was like, well, if you get up on that stage, and I was like, I just don't think that's going to happen, Mum. Let me live in blessed anonymity in the seat. Um, but I've got I've got a suit I wear, and I'll probably jazz it up with a shirt. I think... Um... <clears throat> and I guarantee, by the way, your mum, my mum would do this. She'd probably send you, like, new pants and socks in the post as well, just to check that you're totally, yeah. like, geared up. Do you know what I mean? It's the kind of thing mums do. I bought I bought a, a new suit for the Safe Awards last year. I've done it the wrong way around. Last year, last year you really planned it when you weren't going to possibly go up on stage. Yeah, you know, like when you're waiting for like uh, news and everyone's like, "Oh, that's going to be really good news," and you're like, "No, no, it's not." So you start like self sabotaging. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I feel like there's a bit of that. You probably have you practiced your, you know, well done. I didn't win, but I'm so pleased for the others. With face, the Jerry, that's very the important. Jerry, Jerry nod. Yeah, yeah. The way you, I mean, I would just literally sit there and be really annoyed just to be fun, rather than clap and smile. I think it'd be quite funny if you just were like, "Oh, I got the great, the gracious loser nod." Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, we were wondering because, again, people might not be aware. Like, we get told where to sit. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, that's, and, and that is important, that is a clue, you will, when I won a couple of times, I was near the end of the row, didn't matter where you were, because okay. but I was near the end of the row, and someone came and checked, only those two times, I mean, it'll probably be different for you, because obviously I'm not famous, they checked whether Lee Salisbury was in the right seat, so they're two right. clues, possibly. Right, well, I, I know, I've, I've sort of, I'm hoping I have um, some strong like people either side of me who yeah can, like pinch the thigh if i'm not looking gracious enough yes yeah room. and you can give a massive wet kiss to when you get up and um finally and we won't need to mention anything about this philip schofield you're going to be one of the first people to see philip back on the screen so that could be an interesting night itself don't think the soapboards is ever going to have so much attention as this year yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's going to be there's a lot of eyeballs. That yeah, are gonna be. there are this year. It's uh, yeah, it's a lot. Of, if you win, no pressure. That speech, Angus, has got to be knock out of the park because loads of people well, win it. To, uh, see, that's that's one of the things I I loved so much of watching um the soap awards last year. I just I really loved watching the different like genres of speech. Yes, yeah, yeah. There were people who had clearly. Rehearsed. This was their 15th Soap Awards. And then there was like, it was really beautiful seeing the, especially the younger people who were so like overwhelmed and excited that they just word vomited. Yeah, yeah. And they just did it in the moment as well. I do like that. I mean, the worst speech I've ever seen was... was some from EastEnders last year who just wouldn't get off the stage. And it was brilliant. She was like, <laughs> did a dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up routine. Who was that? Who was that? I, I know who you. I can't think who it she was. Won, she won um, best comic performance, and um, uh, she certainly earned it because I hadn't watched any of her work. But if it was that, was hilarious. Like, yeah, that's a that's a pressured one to go up for with best comedic. The worst speech I have to say, and I can't remember who it was. One of those, but this is many years ago. Was uh, when they won best male, and it was a really serious speech where he went into thanking his mum and dad, and it was like, oh, this is a really. Oh kind of rubbish award that you're making into something really that it's not. <laughs> I, I I know um Greg 
uh, Greg told me <laughs> that he, um, he won Best uh, Performer a couple of years ago. And we're both um, Tottenham fans. And Tottenham were in the Champions League final that day, like that night, in that moment. And he had sneakily been listening to it on in his earbud. <laughs> wow. He heard that Spurs were 2-0 down. And apparently he got up and in his speech, he was like, this is great, but Tottenham are 2-0 down. So <laughs> <I saw." laughs> yeah, oh, well, don't be doing that. Well, listen, we're going to go on some things. We'll, cut, we'll remind everyone at the end, but you can vote now for Angus to win Best Villain of the Year. On the, on the 3rd of July, it's 7.45pm. I think it's live now, isn't it? I don't think they pre-record it. Oh, last year was live. But I think this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. God, that's a dangerous game to play. That isn't it? Because I, oh, again, just going back one more is was ha- my biggest question was how much you drink beforehand because the first year I was hung over by the end of the awards. Do you know what I mean? Because it's quite a long time. They've got them yeah. quicker and quicker. But it's that you're kind of really excited. So you want a couple of glasses of champagne. But thank God when I won, I played it carefully and didn't drink because otherwise I thought. Well, I was just going to say. I, I think. I think I might um, stay away Sober. Until, yeah. Until <laughs> yeah. After. just because like I might have one to like calm the wittering my mum always she's always said I witter right and, like speak really quickly and speak a lot yeah you don't want to be and on for that long and not be funny and just be wittering that's definite yeah, yeah. when you um, want another job do you know what I mean this is this is a chance to yeah. show you <laughs> yeah yeah it's is standing up there and going, and as all of you saw, uh, I'm out of contract. So, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just get your CV out. I mean, that's the best yeah. way to do it. Um, let's move on to Hollyoaks. I mean, move on to Hollyoaks. We're still on Hollyoaks. But Eric, I mean, entrance was part of International Women's Day. Amazing way to arrive. You arrived in the duck and uh, in the dog and duck, even the hardest pub name to say that the dog and duck. You never say that drunk. Um, <laughs> and it was the first time we saw you and Verity. I mean, what was, let's go back. To your first appearance, what was it like arriving? I have when I worked on Hollyoaks, what I was so surprised at, and I'll, I'll say this about every soap, EastEnders was tiny, but Hollyoaks really was minuscule. I mean, everything is so on top of each other; it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like there was there was a lot that was um, a big difference to what I was used to. Like I, I and I've actually like I, I think this is great to be honest i expected it to be multi-camera firstly just because they have to shoot so much yeah um and then uh obviously it's not it's, it's single camera but that also means that there's more control over um how we like do the performances in the scenes which which is nice um i was working i was quite grateful to work with be working with eva because i as soon as i got the job i am um, I went up to Liverpool and stayed with my friend Connor, who actually had done a, an issue-led storyline the year before. And I just wanted to get a feel for the city, and I met up with Eva, and, and we had a chat and, like, broke some ice. So I had a relationship with her before. Oh, that's nice, yeah. Um, so that was great. But, like, it is... It, you all... When you do a drama... Everyone starts at the same time. Everyone's excited and nervous at the same yes, time. Yes, yeah, yeah. But you're coming to a doing, running train. Yeah, you're doing this thing. I, I've always described doing Hollyoaks as sprinting a marathon that just will never end. And <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. That was one of the saddest things about um, my last day, to be honest, is you just go, oh, God, well, That's yeah, it. now they carry on. Yeah. And they leave and they, they keep, keep moving. 
Um, but also like my my first 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 like teaser uh, scene that I did on the show. Because again, obviously, um, we'll remind everyone. We've said this a million times on this uh, podcast before, but obviously, everything's not filmed in the right order, so you can sometimes be. So, well, a quick question before you get to it: Did you? Because most people I've had on this podcast um, have had to start. You know, they they always throw you in the deep end with a with a massive scene in the pub. You know, with everyone there, they've not started them with a nice two hander. Did you? Did you have the same fate? Um, no, I didn't actually. I uh, so I did some shooting December twenty twenty one, and that was to go out in uh, one of February's episodes, and that was a two hander with me and Eva. And then I went back before my main contract started to. Uh, there was a scene in the pub, and they were just oh. filming me like poking my head in and going in. Um, so it wasn't like I wasn't thrown into it. It was just me and Eva. Also, um, it was, they were really, uh, it was just before Christmas. So the studio was quite quiet, actually. I was quite grateful that I wasn't. That's Yeah, so you had it nice and easy, really. I mean, as much as easy as it can be suddenly, you know, doing a big soap. Yeah, although like, <clears throat> this makes, this will make me sound like such an idiot. But when, like, if people don't know, when you do other TV, um, there's a lot of stuff that is just taken out of your hands because it's too much of a risk to lead it up to these silly little actors, I guess. <laughs> and, and one of those things is like getting to the studio. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. my call time and I was like, cool. How do I get there? Where is it? I where don't know. Is it? <laughs> like, I've just been given a time and I don't know where I'm going. Um, so that was like, I had a, a bit of a panicked morning, but you, you quickly, I mean, you learn so quickly. So quick because the schedule there is so mad. I mean, Hollyoaks is the craziest schedule ever. Cause it was about five or six, I'm sure it was four or five units filming when I was there. And, uh, yeah, working out when you can kind of possibly escape home or whatever is quite, I remember Gillian Telford from EastEnders when she did, she was on the train to London and they were like, oh my God, why has Gillian gone to London? You know, and she just forgot, she just missed one scene out. I mean, it's kind of those mammoth, the little things can turn things haywire in an instant. I was, uh, I was, I think I was known as a bit of a SWAT, to be honest. Oh, you were a good boy, yeah. Yeah, I I like once. um, Did you colour code? (laughs) Did you colour code things? No, it it wasn't, it wasn't so much that as like, uh, if, it's a quote-unquote day off, and obviously your days off aren't your days off. You're no, not, you're on call. You're not working that day. I was in um, Sainsbury's. <laughs> like, I don't know who I think I am. I was in Sainsbury's, like, just buying some food, and the office called and asked if I could come in, and I just dropped my basket and walked <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm on Hollyoaks, everyone. I'm on Hollyoaks. I, like, literally, like, I got there and told someone and they were like who who do you think you are <laughs> amazing like, running out with people going oh my god he must have had like a he must be a paramedic yeah, yeah I, I like i thought i was some kind of superhero yeah whereas kind of someone like jennifer anderson if she got that call would make sure she finished her shop she'd have lunch <laughs> then she'd arrive at the studio do you know what i mean there'd be no <laughs> dropping jennifer anderson shopping um but let's so I mean the storylines are whizzed through some I mean that you did so much within quite a short period of time, I suppose, being in a soap. But how amazing I always think it's amazing if you go into a soap and you have such a busy storyline time rather than just drinking a pint in the pub. Do you know what I mean? So you became yeah. 
Uh, well, the first thing he did was make an inappropriate image of teacher Olivia Bradshaw. This is where we first got an insight where his storylines were going. He then got an obsession with Cleo, locking her boyfriend Joel in the loft, befriended Mason. But then when his girlfriend Ella rejects him, he led Mason astray. So this was the beginning of this kind of incel behaviour, wasn't it? And explain what that is to people. Yes. Yeah, so, well, incel is short for involuntary celibate. And um, Eric and young men in general, I think there's there's a big issue that is multifaceted. Um, but one of the one of the things that we certainly looked at in um, the show is that during all the lockdowns, Eric was he was quite socially awkward anyway. And then yeah. during the lockdowns, he's finding he was looking for comfort and a community online, and he slipped down into these they call it the manosphere which is uh quite misogynist based uh quote unquote men's help spaces um and which to be honest with- i hadn't heard of and now i've researched you i mean it's quite incredible that these yeah but i suppose sitting yeah at home, i mean my, my algorithm is a mess it's uh, my my algorithm now and like my search history is just that like, yeah it, yeah it's just it's just men shouting about yeah wow being listened to um but those, those like i think part of the part of the main issue for eric is that uh everything being so digital and algorithms being the way they are um each click leads on to something more radical and because the world is so scary and it's so complex these spaces, these like misogynistic spaces, offer a simpler explanation to the problems that these young men have. And so there's no one challenging them. And then uh, they use pseudoscience to back it up. And so Eric started as this uh, socially awkward guy who just wanted to come and be with his sister and meet his brother. And then by the end, he was completely detached from reality because he had found a community that would laud him the more radical of he things was, he did. Yeah. And he started convincing himself that there was a conspiracy against men in the world, which is a running theme in, in the manosphere. Um, but there's there's some great books and we, we were... But um, it's also, sorry think, to interrupt you, it's also a wider thing, isn't it? Because I think people are youngsters. You know, if when we were young, we didn't sit online because online didn't exist when I was young. And so you only face the problems that you saw in the world that you were going into every day. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas now kids and younger people are sat at home and this, this kind of dark world that actually they're believing is part of the life is not really... Do you know what I mean? It's actually very well, distant yeah. from them. And there's there's very little there's very little challenging because the other thing is it's it's very easy for these manosphere spaces to say, oh, if they challenge you with this, they would say that because they're part part of the problem or they're yeah, yeah they're, of course yeah yeah they're so they're just trying to convince you otherwise and trying to like the big thing um like as a weird tangent yeah last night I just decided to watch the Matrix again because. I thought, ah, oh, I love the fighting scenes in The Matrix. That's cool. And the soundtrack. And I actually found myself feeling a bit uncomfortable watching it because a lot of The Matrix, uh, a lot of the language used in The Matrix has been adopted by... Oh, Nancy. right. Okay, right. That's I interesting. Described this feminist um, conspiracy theory against men. Right, okay. 
So they they have language like red pill and blue pill and black pill, and the red pill is uh, awakening to the truth, and the blue pill would be me and you who don't believe there's a conspiracy. Yeah. How weird is this? I just watched an old episode of Fresh Meat before we did this podcast, and they were talking about the red pill and the blue pill. Right. Yeah. You watch it. I watch that. Yeah. But it like it it was. Playing the part was an interesting exercise because by by the time we came to the hour long special that I did with Duncan Foster, yeah, I Brilliant. felt Duncan. like I had so much energy inside me that I was ready to like just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had like had to. It was a real exercise in patience, like pacing myself, especially for the first six months of just playing this guy who doesn't feel comfortable in his surroundings. And it can be quite like still. Did so, you know where it was going? At the t- did you did you know your full kind of arc when you went in? I knew. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like as with all these things, I, I knew the general uh, that, that it would end with an event, and then um, it was around just after the soapboards last year, actually, that um, I started hearing that it would be this siege with a crossbow. Um, but you knew that it was going to go from start somewhere, from yeah. And, and, you, and you must have been as an actor excited to know what that final thing was going to be as well. It's that like you must have been going, Oh, yeah, what's I mean, it going to be? Lucy, <laughs> Lucy Allen walked up to me in the hall, who is the producer, isn't she? Series producer, yeah. yeah. She walked up to me in the hall of the studio and was just like, What do you like with the crossbow? And I was like, <laughs> Um. Well, I'm no Orlando Bloom, but Lucy, I might well, be able to... Well, now I'm going to follow you until you uh, give me all the information. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave me with that little nugget. Yeah, but it was it was exciting. It was also, it was really, I mean, there's a human cost to it because, like, the people in, in the room, in the special, were all friends of mine. So they would go off and, between takes, they would go uh, sit in... And just be normal. Like, area and be normal people and i would go off into the corner of a different room just because it it felt so uncomfortable to like point this crossbow at yeah yeah it's weird isn't it because it's not uh, you know we know what method acting for anyone who doesn't is when you really encapsulate the role and do it all the time but but that's not quite method but it is like i've worked on big scenes and big stories where the where an actor being in your position has to kind of it is real. I mean, it's almost impossible to snap. I mean, any Patsy Palmer in my life, I've watched be able to do it where you can just snap in, snap out so quickly on set. You know, you have to stay there for for when you've got those massive days, don't you? Yeah. And like uh, me and Al Fletcher were having this conversation about it, it starts before you get to work. So like, yeah, I would, yeah. I would be listening to the music and stuff on the way into work because. To get hyped up yeah, and to get into the, his mind. Be, you can't really snap in and out of it. And also, but that said, like, you don't have to do it all day. And um, Duncan was really good at telling me when my coverage would be. So when the camera turned around, I would still perform it, but I wouldn't live it. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I could yeah. also rest off with my friends and stuff um, because I wouldn't have to put myself through the torment i was really like shocked at how and it's a testament to how much um how much energy and emotion builds up over a year i was really shocked to how much i found myself crying on the day like right okay yeah yeah 
And I was like, God, like, and I think this is a, a soap thing, but the lines get blurred throughout a year. Like, you're like, am I lonely or is the character lonely? Am I sad or is the character sad? Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it that was certainly a big release. And, and uh, I was really proud of, of that special and where we went with it. And then, obviously, one of the big storylines that went on for ages with, with, was with Maxine, Nikki Sonderson, of course, who's amazing, who I used to love working with. Uh, soap legend, really, now, because Corey was... Uh, that one must have been good as well, though. Uh, that kind of... That was a really good partnership, wasn't it? Yeah, soap legend, personal legend, legend all around. Um, Nikki is, is great, and she's so generous with them, with her time and, and with... Uh, and she's always very prepared as well. She's very swatty. She's very good, isn't she? Yeah, and, and it's great. Like when you're when you're doing a, a big storyline that's like a feud between two people, just feeling like your teammate is is really in it as well. Yeah, it's great. And we we would like. I always felt a bit uh, guilty because I'd be like, I'd ask for rehearsals, and I. But there's an element of it of being like, God, she's just worked this twelve hour day, and then I've, I've they've scheduled a re- an hour long rehearsal for this scene after but she would always be bang up for it and yeah and yeah yeah like it, it yeah it was great and and she's so protective of the space like when you're kind of especially if you're tapping in something heavy and emotional she won't let the she won't let the the scene start or she'll protect your your space to like get into the right the right zone and um yeah, she's just the best teammate. And I, I think she really deserves to have the level of um, light shining on her at the moment. Um, yeah, no, she does. She's a, she's a kind of un, unsung hero in a way. I mean, she's a sung hero, but kind of one of those people that deserves a lot more credit for what she does. I think it's like Jane Danson in Corrie quite recently, like last year, was really highly praised. And I did a cocktail storyline with um, Charlotte Bellamy, plays Laurel in Emmerdale, and it was the first time everyone went, oh, wow, she's really good. And you're like, yeah, she's been really good for years. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I also think Nikki's just so, <clears throat> she's so work and storytelling focused that I think she's quite unassuming. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Which is lovely as well. To retain I that think, is actually lovely. Yeah, and she, she really deserves this this moment and I, I really hope that at the Soap Awards she's up for best dramatic performance a bit. I really hope she gets the um she wins it. Let's hope. I was gonna say unlike would she drop her shopping in Sainsbury's and run out? I mean I'm I think she might finish her shopping and <laughs> yeah, but she her, her uh, <laughs> Nikki's Nikki's Sainsbury's would be uh halfway to Manchester. So she'd drop her Sainsbury's run out and get there. Whereas mine was 10 minutes away from the studio. So oh, right, yeah. Different <laughs> levels of commitment. Yeah, amazing. Um, so, I mean, we could talk about Hollyoaks all day. We'll finish. Obviously, it did spiral. It was a siege in the pub. You even shot Diane, uh, another soap legend. Uh, I mean, again, hard to say goodbye. What was what was your final scene? Again, what's so hard uh, and people listening is often that big, dramatic, emotional scene is like week one of the two-week block or on Hollyoaks, a four-week block, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, like the last scene might be a really unassuming rubbish scene, kind of in the cafe ordering a coffee. And like, brilliant, that's their last scene for yeah. so-and-so, and it's awful. Yeah, I I, I, um, I had a bit of a weird... So my last, my proper last day was like a, a really big sort of three-hander with me, Nikki, and, and Greg. Oh, okay. And, um, 
and it was like quite heavy and exhausting and it was a, a full every scene of the day kind of shoot and then um, we did like at the for those that don't know the producers come down and and give you like nice words of encouragement and and thank you and it's all very lovely and everyone gives you, you around flowers did you get some flowers or a... yeah, yeah i got yeah. some flowers that lovely. like i was <laughs> i was wondering if i was getting pollen bombed because i had the worst hay fever of my life <laughs> I was just they sat, sprayed you. I, sprayed you with extra I was in my room and I was, like, work. <laughs> I was I was in my room with like all this pollen in my eyes, and I was like, God, those flowers <laughs> are beautiful, but they need to leave. Um, but my actual like what ended up being my last days, they had to get an additional shot like two days later, so I had to go. And then they'd already done the goodbye speech and stuff, and uh, here he is again. Did, went to go do it again, and I was like cool well i'll probably see you guys tomorrow um i'll see you later uh but yeah it it was nice i I think the one of the difficult things was that the the big special with duncan really felt like the end yeah the storyline and that felt like a real climax to to finish on and then we had the rest of this story in the prison um and it it was just like it, it felt like there was one ending and then another ending. Um and I think yeah, it was it was a bit different because the first time I ended up like was with Nick and I just like with the with the last bit in the prison, I would do scenes where characters would come visit me in prison and we'd realise that was the last time we were gonna work together. Um and that happened quite a lot and it's it's quite a, a slow, sad thing. And then you finish and you realise everyone's going off to their next scene. Yeah, that's um, what I suppose, again, when you do a play or when you do a drama, everyone finishes at the same time and goes to their next job, whereas you're leaving again, you're like jumping off a running train that everyone else yeah. is continuing on. So it's like, oh, bye. And actually, we all know what TV's like. Like for a day, they might miss you, but then it's kind of like business as usual. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did my last scene and then I had to go do the photo shoot for the Soap Awards immediately after. And then I like I had <clears throat> the whole next half of the day and I sat in the car and I was like, what do I what do I do now? Like, yeah, well, it's quite what? a serious thing as well. I've had we've had quite frank discussions on this with some people who didn't choose to leave as well after quite a long time. And it actually went kind of quite downhill because especially if you've been in, you know, Emmerdale for 10 years and you're really recognised, it's quite hard to adjust to normal life again where, and it's not even people that wanted the fame, but it's just very much then you feel personally like you're not wanted anymore. It's kind of a weird adjustment to make, which is quite a, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, I always, I I was going into one storyline and I always knew it was going to be one storyline and actually I I only ever wanted to. Yeah, so you could set that, your mind was set for that really. But the, the thing that, like, I had been coming to terms with for the months after was that so much of your day-to-day um, when you're more freelancing is the, like, hunger and anxiety and, like, keeping moving and keeping active and doing things and, like, emailing people. And um, for 14 months, I didn't have to do that. There would be – there'd be no reason to do that. So I, I've – had to then find my feet again as to like 
how I operated and how I feel. Yeah, get the hunger back and get the kind of daily routine back. Yeah. Well, um, let's quickly go on to you to end the podcast. We always need to talk about you. I'll just read just found your CV. I don't know if this is still true. I think it was a few years old. Um, I do love actor CVs. Age range playing was 22 to 32, five foot nine, red hair, brown eyes, muscular build, baritone voice. Um, you graduated from Warwick University with a first class degree in English, literature and theatre studies. Now I got told, and I probably I only say this because I got a what's after a first? Uh <laughs> A, t- a, second, a T1. I got told if you got a first, you hadn't lived and partied enough at university. Is that true? Did you live well, and party enough? Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I've got to be honest. I went to Warwick University and um, there's not, not a lot going on. Oh, right. Warwick. Okay. So, it's, oh, right. So, yeah. So, there was, so that still rings true then. That basically. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I also was like, I'm going to university. I'm just so like, target and mission orientated yeah 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 which is great first and i mean i wanted to get first so i only use that as my excuse do you know what i mean because i only got to one uh, but your additional yeah. skills are quite impressive as well ski racing water polo tennis cricket mono skiing mountain biking and diving i mean i always love this when actors come in with their spotlight and it's like the bet the best story don't know whether i've told this on this podcast before is amanda donahoe came into emmerdale they asked her uh you know like film star but in lie lie with jim carrey can you ride a horse? Of course I can ride a horse. First scenes, ride a horse. She came on set, couldn't ride a horse. <laughs> Had to get a double in. Think, um, They'd never lie on your spotlight CV. I think quite a few people have done that. But I... Uh, you yeah, can do I, all of those things, though. Yeah, well, I was, I was a national ski racer for like... Wow. Five, six years. Um, from the age of 11 till 17-ish, I guess. Um so yeah, that one's actually not a lie. Although there there doesn't seem to be many jobs coming coming through where with where uh, with that as an essential skill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. being a ski racer is. is I mean, maybe help. people don't know. We've just highlighted that now, so this could be today. Yeah, could be the day that you get um a, you know a stump spectacular film script with that yeah. in. You also I, I, you I, yeah you also founded the Incognito Theatre Company with four others. Is that still going? Is that still something you do? That is going. We we did a play in when was it? April. Um, we did our our silly little play about a badminton team. Uh, oh yes, I remember seeing the picture of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, funnily enough, last year I actually managed to, to squeeze a run in uh, in May. We did it at Park Theatre. Amazing. Um, the, the problem is, is that everyone's off doing different things. Other things and, are getting you together. Uh, yeah, and we don't really like. We don't have that much money. As a right. theatre, yeah, company. yeah. There, there was a period of time just before the pandemic hit. We were about to embark on a four-month tour with like thirty-five different venues, and um, that would have ended at Edinburgh Festival. And we were going to do <clears throat> our adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front and The Net Kill as a two-hander, um, and that would have set the company up. No, oh, really what a shame! For the next few years, and then yeah, because of the pandemic. We couldn't do that. And now we seem to go and do, we'll do a show somewhere and we just lose money. It doesn't matter how many tickets we sell. So we've got to be really careful. And now it, it, we do it like for fulfillment for ourselves. Yeah. Really, I want to like turn the theatre company into a TV or film production company. And turn well, that's just, I can tell you, that's just as hard to make money from as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a tough, um, it's a tough, it's a tough, like people see obviously you being in Hollyoaks and stuff, but it's a tough, actually it's a tough life both mm-hmm. sides of the camera, you know, but like you can ride high as a freelance, but then you can have some like quite low times as well of not working, which I think all, all of us creative people always need to be working to be happy. Yeah. And like I wrote our new play for the Sears Company six weeks ago. and it's Wow. Like, okay. Brilliant. I'm trying to get the boys to like, meet up and do a read through like i say because again a lot of this is pandemic led like yeah yeah two of the boys don't aren't actors anymore and so have other other jobs and um one of them is really busy doing spoken word poetry and acting i've been doing holly oaks our producer uh has a great job somewhere else i don't know what it is um and yeah, one of the other boys is is freelance acting. So it's sort of, we're it's just, just all spread yeah. Well, I suppose it's good for you being in Hollyoaks. I mean, the great thing about doing soap is suddenly it does get bubbles on seats as well, you know, because you are suddenly known to a nation. But a few of the Hollyoaks fans came to the show and, and one of them, Lockie, brought me a, um, a Tottenham teddy bear, which sits proudly in my mantelpiece. Which, amazing. Uh, See, that's another, another benefit of doing soap. You get amazing fans giving you presents. Yeah, you get a free um, Tottenham teddy bear just to remind me how terrible my football club is. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, well, listen, I could talk to you all day, uh, w- which normally happens on here, but we're going to end with a quick fire quiz. Uh, this is just random questions for Series 5. Nothing to do with soap, actually. So here we go. Just don't think too much. Salty or sweet? Uh, sweet. Danny or Kylie? Kylie. Philip or Holly, got to be current. Holly. All the way. Speedos or shorts? Shorts. EastEnders or Corrie? EastEnders. Strawberries or cream? Cream. Uh, And naughty or nice? Nice. Nice. There we go. Good answers. Nothing nothing shocking in there. I've just just got to crowbar this in here because... Go on. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankly... So um, my lovely partner, Neve Blackshaw, she was long-listed for uh, Best Performer. And Neve is who you got together with in Hollyoaks. Yeah. In real life, uh, yeah. She plays Juliet, and she's been doing some of the best work I've ever seen over the past year. Um, Unfortunately, she didn't get shortlisted for the Save Awards, but she's also long-listed for the... uh, Best serial drama performer. Oh, come on then, everyone. Let's get a double. Yeah. So uh, she's up for that in the NTAs, and I really would like to Well, that's incredible. To be up for that at the NTAs is absolutely brilliant. You'll be the, let's make you the new Judy, Richard and Judy of TV by both winning awards. Although I read books way too slowly. So um, I don't think we could do the Desert Island. You couldn't, no, you couldn't do their book club. No, no. Neve can stream through about four books in a day, and I'm wow. like, wow. The the black brown that's annoying. That's annoying. It's annoying to have a partner who can do. Luckily, my husband takes ten times longer than me, so I feel like, yes, I'm such a fast <laughs> reader. <laughs> I'm just too dyslexic. I can't like. Oh, well, work. you've got an excuse then. Yeah, although like I remember, uh, like Harry Potter to me has always been the films because when. I was at school, everyone would be reading the books and I'd be so dyslexic that I was like... Oh, I'm those books are so thick. I mean, it has that, that... Yeah, that puts me off in the shop. Do you know what I mean? If a book's that yeah. thick, it's like, that's never going to happen. And they sit there 
And then what I do is normally only read before I go to bed and I read the same page again. It goes, I fall asleep and then I forget what I've read. Yeah, I once, when I was doing my degree, I was reading a play before going to sleep. And I um, went into my seminar in the morning and uh, my seminar tutor that day was called, uh, she's called Carol Rutter. And Carol is like one of the leading names in Shakespeare in the UK. And she's terrifying. And um, <laughs> she, she's very lovely, but my God, her brain is the most intimidating thing in the world. But she um, she was like, okay, so who wants to talk about the play? And I like really proudly put my hand up and I was like, I will absolutely talk about this. And uh, I was like, I, what, the thing I found really strange was how they all uh, departed the earth at the end of the play. And everyone looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? I had fallen asleep midway through the play and then oh, dreamed. no, and thought you got through it. Um, Not to do in front of her as well. Yeah. yeah, it was a bad seminar, that. I don't think I styled it out. No, well, you definitely... Well, don't do anything like this at the Soap Awards, okay? I'm, you yeah. know, we need a one-to-one fucking training... Oh, I keep saying, sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> we need a one-to-one training session. Right, listen, I mean, literally... We could go on all day, which would be amazing. We could do like an hour special every week, me and Angus. But yeah. uh, good luck for the Soap Awards. Everyone vote for you. Everyone vote for your lovely partner, Neve, at the uh, NTAs. Soap Awards, 3rd of July, 7.45pm. Best villain, Glynis Barber's even on side. Do you know Glynis? Uh, I've had a few conversations with her, yeah. Have you? Yeah, well, she's all on side for you as well. Uh, so she's oh. champion Angus to win. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on Soap for the Box, mate. Thank you for having me, mate. And um, I'm not sure I might be there at the Soap Awards. So if I am, I'll be cheering you on this year. But otherwise, uh, if you win, obviously come back and we'll celebrate in style. We're going to have a Soap for the Box special. Give me me a shout if you're there, because I'll be there in a suit and a shirt, Mama. I'll see you in the champagne room. Yeah, in the champagne room. <laughs> Our new room that we've invented. It basically does everything <laughs> else as well. You can get a cheap cider. All right, Angus, take care, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you to Angus for being my first guest on episode one of season five of Soap from the Box. Remember to vote for him. Vote everything Hollyoaks. Vote everything all the soaps. Who do you think deserves to win? But we have to give a push to Angus. Vote now on the British Soap Awards website and watch that later in the year. I will be back next week. There are so many more amazing guests to come. Remember, check out wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen to all four seasons of Soap from the Box, all your favourite stars from all the biggest shows. Have a brilliant week in the sun and I will see you next week. Hold up. 